listening to the Miracle Word Podcast. We believe that the Word of God gives you the power to experience never-ending increase in every area. If you're ready for revelation that will take you to the next level, you're in the right place. Here's your host, evangelist, author, and founder of Miracle Word University, Ted Shuttlesworth, Jr. It's our year of violent increase, expedited favor, and we're going to see the goodness of God manifested in our lives. Every one of us, without question, can declare that we're about to level up. We're going to another level in this year of 2020, without question. Dennis said, my wife was just playing it. Love it. I know. I love it too. But it's not just a great song, which it is a great song, by the way. But it's also a a phenomenal confession, and it's what we're declaring for the rest of this year, that this is our year of violent increase, expedited favor. And without question, I expect to end this year on another level. In fact, those of you that are watching with me, I want you to put that in the comments section. I expect to end this year on another level. I want you guys to uh, confess it as well. I expect to end this year on another level. I do. I do. I'm expecting to get uh, to the end of this year, look back and see how much God's done, not just in 12 months, but what I'm talking about from July to December in only six months to see how much God's going to accomplish in our lives in a short period of time, I'm just telling you, get ready because it's going to be next level to see all the things God's doing. I started reading broadcast testimonies today because I want people to hear everything that's going on. I want you to hear the testimonies as they're coming in and I'll keep reading them as people keep texting them to me. I'll keep reading them and letting you know what God's doing, how he's increasing his people because the story is going to be the same for you and your family as well. It's going to be exactly the same. Thanks, Chancey. Uh, It's going to be exactly the same. Let me read it so that we can start where I said we would start. Proverbs chapter 4 and uh, verse number 18. Hey, take a minute, share the broadcast. I know it's Wednesday night. People are probably either in church or they're watching their church online. Totally get that. You should be in church. If your church is open, you should be watching your church if your church is on, and sowing to your church. Um, Proverbs 4.18, the Bible says this, but the path of the righteous, that's me, that's you, is like the light of dawn, which shines brighter and brighter until full day. You see that? Shines brighter and brighter until full day. That's the path of the righteous. My path gets brighter and brighter every single day. My path today, my life today, my ministry today, my family today, brighter than it was yesterday. And it's going to continue in that way. Yeah, we're supporting Chick-fil-A on the broadcast tonight. I'm not eating. I just got a Diet Coke. The family's eating. We're all fasting. Don't forget, folks, we're all fasting. Got me a little bit of Diet Coke. For all of you uh, that are out there that are health nuts, I'm sorry about that. Um, Somebody asked, 
so we can drink soda on a fast if it's diet soda. You can drink regular soda if you want to. I don't care. As long as it's not food. <laughs> if it's just a drink. Um, what are you even... <laughs> Shancy said, how do you eat so much fast food and remain in shape? I am not even close to being in shape. I don't know. I don't know who you see. That's the benefit of doing a broadcast where all you see is from here to here. That's all you get. And that's when people are deceived. A spirit of deceptions come upon you. Um, I wouldn't recommend smoothies, but drinks are fine. Don't go out and drink like milkshakes and smoothies, but you know, regular drinks are fine. Um, the Bible says the path of the righteous is like the light of dawn. It shines brighter and brighter until the perfect day. And so first off tonight, we're talking about going to another level. Let me encourage you. That should be your expectation every single day. Now I'm going to talk tonight about, Pam's laughing at me. I'm going to talk tonight a little bit about your expectation, having an expectation. You should have an expectation of God's goodness. You know, when you wake up in the morning, you should have this expectation. People are showing up today to bless me. The blessing of God is chasing me down. It's going to tackle me. It's going to overpower me. Goodness and mercy are following me for the rest of my life. Signs and wonders are following me. I mean, your, your expectation should be based upon what God already said. Amen. Amen. Let me read you a verse of scripture that's going to stir you up. Check this out. I would encourage you to get this one printed, put it everywhere. Put it everywhere. Isaiah chapter 3. This one's going to make you want to run. And if you do run, go for it. Some of y'all need to run around your block. Just get excited and shout. <laughs> run around your block shouting until somebody calls the cops. Isaiah chapter 3, verse number 10. Listen to it with me. The Bible says, tell the righteous, that's you and me, that it shall be well with them. For they shall eat the fruit of their deeds. Hallelujah. Let me stop right there. I'm just, I'm, I'm repeating these things. I'm getting them into your spirit for the purpose of expectation, for the purpose of confession and declaration. Here's the word. Say to the righteous, it shall be well with them. For they shall eat the fruit of their deeds. So I will experience the fruit of my righteousness in my life. That's what the Bible's telling me. I will experience the fruit of my righteousness in my life. I'm sowing those seeds, and I'll be experiencing those seeds. Say to the righteous, somebody shout, that's me. Say to the righteous, it shall be well with them. That's going to be your story. And it's my story. I don't even care what's going on. I don't even care. You know why? People get all mad at me and my wife and they're like, well, you should be thinking more about what's going on. You should be thinking, you should be more responsible. You should be more worried. You should be telling people to be careful. I'm not going to go tell people to be careful. Can you imagine me going around as a preacher of the gospel, Holy Ghost filled? Well, be careful, brother. When the Bible says that we're to cast all of our care upon him 
for he cares for us. Why am I going to be careful? Careful about what? Be careful for nothing, the Bible says. Be careful for nothing. I'm not going to go around telling everybody to be careful. You should be more, you should be more responsible, brother. You should, with your platform, you should be more responsible. I'm not, I'm being responsible by encouraging you from the mighty word of God. And the Bible says, say unto the righteous, it shall be well with them. Say unto, I'm saying it right now on this camera to the righteous. It'll be well with you. It's going to be well with you in Jesus name. It's going to be well with you in Jesus name. It's going to be well with you in Jesus name. Don't believe the lies of the enemy. It's going to be well with you. Now look at this. This is a scary one right here. Verse 11. Woe to the wicked. It shall be ill with him. For what his hands have dealt out shall be done to him. Let me tell you something. There's some wicked people in the, in the United States of America in places of power that are trying to use their wickedness to bring to pass anti-Christ agendas. And I'm going to prophesy that what this verse says is going to come to pass before this year comes out. It shall be ill with the wicked. What their hands have dealt out shall be done to them. You're going to see some things happen before this year comes to an end where people that were in places of power are going to be discovered for their wickedness. It's going to be uncovered and revealed and exposed and they will have consequences based upon the things they've been doing behind the scenes to to push an antichrist agenda forward. We're going to see it beginning to happen and we're going to see it more and more. Today, if you didn't see it today, uh, and yesterday, the report came out even here in Florida. I don't know if you guys saw this. Orlando Health Hospitals reported on Fox 45 that 33 different uh, centers in Florida had been cooking the books and reporting different percentages of positive cases uh, than they should have. Instead of 98%, it should have been 9.8%. This ain't a conspiracy theory. It's being it's being reported on national news that there are people. I mean, if there's any doubt in your mind that there's an agenda behind what's going on right now, you, you need to wake up. There is an agenda, and it's an anti-Christ agenda. And I, I want you to hear it. There are things going on behind the scenes that people don't want to talk about, but they're happening. They're happening. And I'm going to tell you right now, it's time for us to understand that we, no matter what's going on in the world, half this stuff, and I believe probably more than half, is contrived to get the population to make certain decisions based upon what they hear and what they see. That's why I refuse to make decisions based on what I heard on the news, saw in the culture. I'm not doing that. I'm making my decisions based on the word of God. It shall be well with me. It shall be well with my family. It'll be well with you. But say unto the wicked, woe unto them, for what their hands have dealt out shall be done to them. Listen, you can't get away 
from seed time and harvest, my friends. You just can't escape seed time and harvest. You will harvest what you sow. You will absolutely harvest what you sow. And so let me tell you something. There's a day of reckoning coming and things are going to be uncovered supernaturally. They're going to be uncovered. And people that were in public places of power are going to be exposed and there will be consequences. I feel the same, Kelly. I'm glad I ain't the wicked. I thank God I'm part of the family of God and that I'm part of the righteous and that everything's going to be well with me in Jesus' name. That's something right there we ought to just lift our hands and thank God about that it will be well with us. I don't care what's going on in the natural world. It will be well with us. Even if they try to say it's not well, my confession will continue to be it is well, just like the woman in the book of 2 Kings. It is well. It is well. It is well. Even when they say it's not well, I never stop saying it is well. Because my life is not defined by some specialist in an office somewhere. My life is not defined by a headline on the news. My life is not defined by a virus. My life is not defined by a government. My life is defined by my faith. My faith defines my future. And how I act in faith according to the word of God It defines my future. And so I refuse to allow what's going on in the world define my life or my future. It will not. I refuse. I'm not participating. I'm not participating in the hysteria. I'm not participating in the hatred. I'm not participating in the forced racism, by the way. Forced racism. What do you mean, Brother Ted? Forced racism. If all you do is put propaganda on the news in front of people's faces to try to create a mindset, it is going to force people to do something. It's a sad day when our news outlets have become propaganda centers. If all they ever do is push in front of our faces propaganda about people and certain types of people, it's no wonder that people feel the way they do. They've been lied to. I refuse to participate. I refuse to participate in racism, forced racism, social justice warfare. I refuse to uh, participate in identity politics. I, I refuse to participate. I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it. I participate with the mighty word of God. I participate with the anointing in Jesus' name. It's the only thing that can change the world. I'm not taking part in any rallies. I'm not taking part in any protests. I'm not taking part in any of that. I wouldn't waste my time. I wouldn't because I understand what changes the hearts of men. It's not debate. Debate can't change the hearts of men. It can't. Because see, and I'm going to keep saying this loud and often and people, until people understand it. If you're an unregenerated person and you're a sinner, you will sin. You will sin. You will not do righteous things. You'll not do holy things if you're unregenerated, a sinner. You can't and you won't. No amount of debate will change that. Protests, I'm not saying they're worthless. I'm saying they won't change the hearts of men. You might change politics. You might change um, 
the way we punish crime. You might, you might change the way that we imprison people. You might change the way that we punish people. You might change the court system. You might get new laws written into the books, but you won't change the hearts of men. See, here's the difference. Lobbying and protests might be able to change laws, but laws can only direct how we punish evil, not stop evil. It just doesn't work. It doesn't work. You realize, don't you, that all guns are illegal in Mexico? I'll just take a sip right there. Guns are illegal in Mexico. So that means there's no guns in Mexico, right? That means no bad people have guns in Mexico, right? That means no cartels have guns in Mexico, right? Because guns are illegal in Mexico. So they don't have gun violence. Isn't it nice to be able to look at Mexico and recognize they don't have gun violence because they have laws against having guns? Isn't that wonderful? Isn't it awesome how Mexico is such a peaceful nation and they have no gun violence? They have no murder rate because guns are illegal. See, laws don't do anything except change how we can punish the evil, the wicked. But they don't stop people from being wicked. They don't stop people from being wicked. Wickedness is a state of the heart. And unless Christ changes you, you cannot do good. You cannot. You will die in sin without Christ a Savior. So understand something. That's why I can't waste my time in the natural realm. I'm not a politician. I'm not going to go. I'm not a lobbyist. I'm not a lobbyist. I'm not a social justice warrior. It's funny to me when you have ministers uh, that are out doing, you know, protests and, you know, they don't, they literally will spend their time doing that. And will not go out and organize on the streets, outdoor crusades, door-to-door soul winning, preaching outdoors. They, they've they never done any of that stuff. It, it's a real eye-opener. And I know people might get mad for me saying this. That's all right. I don't mind if they get mad at me. I don't care if they unfollow me or block me. I'm just going to keep saying things that are true. If you have never done that as a pastor, what business do you have doing the other? Because if you're, see, understand this, if you're a preacher, your real call, your real goal is to the souls of men and women that are unsaved. Has nothing to do with politics, has nothing to do with lobbying, has everything to do with ministering to the people. So if you've done one, I'm not saying don't do one, I'm saying if you haven't done the first, if you haven't reached out to the souls of men on the streets, if you haven't done outdoor crusades, if you've not preached to people, if you've not won souls on the streets, if you've not led your congregation out into neighborhoods and malls to win people to Jesus, then why are we out there protesting with our people? Why are we out there marching with our people for political purposes? You see what I'm you see what I'm saying? Something's out of place if I'm a man of God. Now, if I'm a lobbyist, if I'm a citizen, it's a different story. But I'm asking why men of God have put more weight in political systems than they have in the kingdom. It's an honest question and it deserves honest introspection. It deserves honest introspection. Well, you don't know what I've gone through. doesn't really matter because if you're a man of God, you don't have the luxury of choosing what you will and won't do. You have to do what your master, Jesus, tells you to do. You have to do what the word of God tells you to do. And so bottom line is, if we've not, 
If see, and, and we wonder, well, how come people are struggling? Why aren't we leveling up? If you don't focus on the proper thing, then you can't have the proper reward. I preached on this earlier today that you can't properly be blessed if you don't walk in what God's called you personally to do. I've dealt with that multiple times this week. The thing that keeps us in supernatural blessing is doing what we are called to do. If I deviate from my purpose, then I'm not uh, in position to be blessed by God. I can't be disobeying what he has called me to do with my life and expect him to keep dealing out the blessings like he said he would. God only pays for what he orders. See, exactly, you know, we, we have to stay in our lane. We've got to continue in our purpose, do what God's called us to do. And the moment that we, the, the moment that we get out of position and start doing things God didn't call us to do, we're in trouble. You can't expect to level up if you don't want to do what God's called you personally to do. That's why I've got to be very careful about what I do and what I don't do. We all do. We're not, you know, it's like when we tell our kids, I, I like what I heard someone say, we sh- no Christian parent should ever tell your kids, when you grow up, you can be anything you want to be, because that's a lie. Because in the kingdom, you can't be anything you want to be. You have to be what God called you to be. You have to be what God called you to be. I'm not my own. The Bible says you are not your own. You've been bought with a price. I'm a servant. I'm a slave, a bond servant, as one translation calls it. God is my, not just my father, he's my master. Remember that. Every, let me break something down for you that'll open your eyes. Everybody wants Jesus as a savior. Almost nobody wants Jesus as Lord. Isn't that interesting? Think about that for a minute. Almost everybody wants Jesus as Savior. Almost nobody wants him as Lord. What's the difference? What's the difference? A Savior saves you from trouble. A Lord is your master. Interesting, right? See, because I'll give you an example. If 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 I was nearby where you were, and we were, let's say we were near a river, if you slipped into a rushing river, and, and getting ready to be washed down the river under the rapids and you were going to drown, if I ran alongside and held out a branch to you and you grabbed a hold of it and I pulled you in onto the shore and pulled you up so you didn't drown, guess what? I just became your savior. But just because I reached that branch down and pulled you out of the river, it does not mean you have to obey everything I say for the rest of your life. You know why? Because I'm your savior, but I'm not your Lord. Jesus is different because Jesus is your Lord and your savior. So when you give your life to Christ, it's not fire insurance. That's what people think. Well, I got to get saved so I don't go to hell. It's more than that. It's more than just fire insurance. He's like, now that I'm saved, I'm on my way to heaven. No, he's also your Lord, not just your savior. And a savior is wonderful. He keeps you from death. But a Lord is different. A Lord expects obedience. 
Put that in the comments section. A Lord expects obedience. What's up, Ted Nashley? A Lord expects obedience. So he's not just my Savior, he's my Lord. And if he's my Lord, I've got to do what he says. <clears throat> I've got to do what he says. I've got to obey him. That's why I have this understanding. I can't go around and tell my kids, when you grow up, you can be anything you want to be. I couldn't be anything I wanted to be. I have to be what he called me to be. And see, once you have a calling and a purpose on your life, you can't deviate from that calling and purpose. You're not to deviate from it. A Lord expects obedience. And so everybody wants him to only be Savior, but almost nobody wants him to be their Lord. See, because when he becomes your Lord, what's up, Robert? Once he becomes your Lord, the steps of a righteous man, who are they ordered by? The Lord. Well, who in this generation wants to take orders? Almost nobody. Almost nobody. Who does he think ordering me around? Who do they think they are ordering me around? Nobody wants to take. There's a prideful, rebellious generation that doesn't want any order. They don't want law or order. I don't want law. I don't want order. Hashtag defund the police. Don't want law and order. Don't want law and order. Tear everything down. Destroy the government. Dismantle society. No law, no order. That's a demonic mindset. That's a demonic mindset. Hear what I'm saying to you. It's demonic. Anywhere you see a breakdown of order, a breakdown of law, it's demonic. God is not a God of chaos. He's not a God of disorder. He's not a God of anarchy. God is a God of authority, delegated authority, law, and order. What's the first thing he gave to Moses? The law. <laughs> they lived for hundreds of years, thousands of years under the law. He's a God of law and order. Amen. It's a demonic thing to call for the breakdown of law and order, especially in this kind of a nation where we're free. We've been lied to. <laughs> I saw somebody tweet a very well-respected commentator. You know, if police are killing people at unprecedented rates, why have there been no scientists, no statisticians, or anybody else that actually does the research that have been saying that? Why have why has no one that actually does the research, why has no one said that? Police are killing people. At an unprecedented rate, how come nobody that's in the know is actually saying that? That it's an actual piece of propaganda being spewed by people who have no facts? Because it's not true. That's why. It's not true. It's just not true. But it's a demonic thought process. It's a rebellious generation that calls for the teardown of law and order. Amen. And nobody wants to have a Lord who gives them instructions. Nobody wants to have a Lord that gives them orders. Well, who do they think they are giving me orders? That's your boss. They're allowed to tell you what to do. Came by my desk, told me I better have this done by next Saturday. Who does he think? That's your boss. They employ you. Write your paycheck. Who do they think they are telling me what to do? It's like that's the kind of generation we live in right now. Where no one can tell anybody anything. You can't judge me. You don't know me. Only God can judge me. And they don't even believe that. 
that only God can judge them. They don't believe God should judge them. They don't believe God should judge them. Let me tell you something. There is power in order. There's power in obedience. There's power in delegated authority. There is power in obeying the instructions of God. When you attach yourself to the instructions of God, you're attaching yourself to the power of God. Man, come on. Woo! I feel like preaching this tonight. When you attach yourself to the instructions of God, you attach yourself to the power of God. And I want you to put that in the comments because this is one of the biggest principles anybody could learn as a believer. When you attach yourself to the instructions of God, you attach yourself to the power of God. I'm going to show it to you in the word in just a moment. See it. You'll see it. But put it in the comments. When you attach yourself to the instructions of God, you attach yourself to the power of God. That's exactly it. Let me show it to you in the Word. Let me read it to you. Now the Lord said to Joshua, now I'm in Joshua chapter 3 and I'm going to start in verse 7. When you attach yourself to the instructions of God, you attach yourself to the power of God. Listen to me as I read. This is Joshua 3 and verse 7. And I'm going to read all the way down through. The Lord said to Joshua, Today I will begin to exalt you in the sight of all Israel, that they may know that as I was with Moses, so I'll be with you. And as for you, command the priests who bear the Ark of the Covenant. Now see, they wanted to cross the Jordan River, but understand something, it was the harvest season, and it was a time when it was very, very impossible to cross the Jordan River because it overflowed its banks. Became a rushing mighty river, but God told them to to cross over. So notice what he's saying to Joshua, command the priests. Who does he think he is? Commanding me, giving me commandments, giving me orders. God said, if you'll obey my instructions, you'll see my power. Command the priests who bear the Ark of the Covenant, when you come to the brink of the waters of the Jordan, you shall stand still in the Jordan. And Joshua said to the people of Israel, come here and listen to the words of the Lord your God. Joshua said, here is how you shall know that the living God is among you, and he will without fail drive out from before you the Canaanites, Hittites, Hivites, Perizzites, Girgashites, Amorites, and the Jebusites. Behold, the ark of the covenant of the Lord uh, of the Lord of all the earth is passing over before you into the Jordan. Now, therefore, take 12 men from the tribes of Israel, from each tribe a man. And when the soles of the feet of the priests bearing the ark of the Lord shall of all the earth shall rest the waters of the Jordan. The waters shall be cut off from flowing and the waters coming down above shall stand in one heap. So let me show you what happened. The Bible says, verse 15, and as soon as those bearing the ark had come as far as the Jordan and the feet of the priests bearing the ark were dipped in the brink of the water, 
Now the Jordan overflows all its banks through the time of the harvest. The waters coming down from above stood and rose up in a heap very far away at Adam, the city beside Zarethan, and those flowing down toward the Sea of Araba, the Salt Sea, were completely cut off, and the, pa- the people passed over opposite Jericho, and the priests bearing the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord stood firmly on dry ground in the midst of the Jordan. And all Israel was passing over on the dry ground until the whole nation passed over. Catch that with me tonight, that when you attach yourself to the instructions of God, you attach yourself to the power of God. Here's something that people said could not be done. You can't cross the Jordan in the harvest season. It overflows its banks. It's swollen. It's rushing. It's a mighty river. God said, you can't tell me what I can and can't do with my people. So I'm going to give you an instruction that's going to lead you into my power. And when they obeyed the instruction, then the impossible happened. You hear that? And the impossible happened. Whoo, my God. What's up, Lena? The impossible took place. When? When they obeyed the instructions of God. (laughs) Everybody wants a savior. Almost nobody wants a Lord because a Lord gives you instructions. A Lord is your master. A Lord is the one who can direct your life. And Jesus is not just my savior. And let me tell you why I can live in power, walk in power, see miracles, signs, and wonders, and live in the overflow. Because Jesus isn't just my savior, he's my Lord. He gives me instructions and I obey them. And when I obey them, the power of God moves. I'm about to level up again. Woo! Come on, man. Somebody declare it with me. I'm about to level up. Every one of us. We're going to get to the end of this year and be on another level. Some of us, it's going to be multiple levels. We're going to skip some levels. Why? Because I don't just have a savior. I have a Lord and my Lord is giving me instructions and my instructions or my orders give me access to his power. And when I have access to his power, I have access to his miracles and his, and his supernatural abilities. I am connected to my Lord and my Lord is connected to me. Hallelujah. I'm connected to my Lord and he's connected to me. I'm talking about covenant. Talking about covenant. Think about that. I'm connected to him. He's connected to me. Let me give you something that'll stir you up here as well. If you're just logging on, share it. I told him at the beginning of the broadcast, Isaiah 3, tell the righteous, it shall be well with them. It's going to be well with you. It's going to be well with you. Nothing's going to stop you. Nothing's going to touch you. I can't be stopped. All I do is win. John chapter 15. If I'm connected to my Lord, I am connected to his power. If I've got his instructions, if I've got his orders, if I've got his commands, I've got his power. All it takes to walk in his power is to obey his instructions. That's it. I don't have to conjure up something. I don't have to come up with something that's powerful. No, he already did. Gave us his word and his word is spiritual life. John 6, 63. 
Jesus said, the words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. Spiritual life. John 15, listen to Jesus talking. Verse five, I am the vine, you're the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is who bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he's thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered and thrown into the fire and burned. If you abide in me, look at this, and my words abide in you. Come on, man. You can ask for whatever you wish and it will be done for you. What's the prerequisite there? If you abide in me, that's number one. That's number one. Let's break these down real quick. If you abide in me. So we're talking about, I've got to stay in him, in Christ. That means I have to be uh, a person who prioritizes his covenant. I've got to abide in him. It's my choice to abide in him. I have to abide in him. That's why I said, if you abide in me, if, that means there's a possibility that we would not abide in him. See, because verse six says, anyone who does not abide in me is thrown away. To abide means to stay. If you abide in me, anyone who does not abide in me is thrown away like a branch, withers. Let me show you something that'll help you. This is New Testament, by the way. Every branch in me. Can I just, can I just ask you a question? For all of those people out there that say it's impossible to, once you're saved or once you're connected to Jesus, to be disconnected from him or to lose your salvation. And that's probably a, a, a poor way to say it, to lose it, but let's say to, to forfeit or to give up your salvation or to walk away. I don't want to go into a deep thought here. I just want to ask you one question. For all of those people out there that say it's impossible, once you're saved, you're always saved. You can never lose what God's given you. You're going to have For all those people, let me ask you one question. Who are these people in John 15? Explain to me, as I said the other night, explain to me, S-P-L-A-I-N, explain to me who they are. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, verse, this is verse 2, he, talking about the Father, takes away. And every branch does, that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Huh. If anyone does not abide in me, he's thrown away. Like a branch and withers, the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire and burned. So who are these people that are connected to him, but don't bear fruit? Let me just say this. If you're connected to Christ, you're saved. <laughs> it is impossible to be connected to Jesus and be unsaved. Anytime Paul uses the phrase throughout his letters, in Christ, in him, in whom, he's talking about the saved, the, the, the Christians, the elect right? In him, in whom, in Christ. He's talking about the elect. For example, 
You've been blessed with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ. Talking to the, to the elect there, talking about the saved, those that have Jesus. So who are these people John's speaking about that were, a, they were a branch in him, every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he then takes away. Hmm. Let's think about that for a second. Every branch that is in me, Jesus said. So you're already a branch in him connected to the vine, but you refuse to bear fruit. So he said, when I look at somebody that continually refuses to bear the fruit that you should be bearing by being connected to me, after a while, the father comes and disconnects you from me and throws you in a pile to be burned, according to scripture. Who are these people? They are the people who say, oh yeah, I've got Jesus, but they won't obey the Lord's orders. <laughs> that messed some of y'all up, didn't it? Did that mess you up? Who are these people? Who are these people? I'll tell you who they are. They're people who are, in, they were in him. Look, notice this. Notice he didn't just, for no reason, pull their salvation. Notice he didn't do that. He's not an unjust God. He's not an unjust God. Notice what happened. They made a choice to be disconnected because they refused to produce fruit. You see that? They refused to produce fruit. The fruit you produce. What did Jesus say about those that are his followers? You will know them by their, write it in the comments. You will know them by their, write the word. How will you know the followers of Jesus? By their underscore, underscore, underscore. Put it in the comments. I'm waiting for somebody to write it. You'll know them by their fruit. Thank you, Christina Garcia. And and with the watermelon emoji. Kelly said it. Kelly said it. Yanil said it. Robert said it. Tanya said it. Exactly right. Janet said it. You'll know them by their fruit. How will I know a Christian? By their fruit. By their fruit, you'll know them. By their fruit, you'll know them. So if anybody, see, here's the thing we got to get. Talk is cheap. Anybody say, anybody can say, oh yeah, brother, I love the Lord. Oh, I'm sold out to the Lord, brother. And here's the argument you always get from nut jobs that hear me or anybody teaching like this. Sounds to me like you're pretty legalistic there, brother. Sounds like you're preaching a works-based salvation, brother. It's by grace, not by works. That's what all the nut jobs say anytime you talk about this. Anytime you mention responsibility, anytime you mention being diligent, anytime you mention being faithful, there's always one nut job in the comments section that sticks their head up and goes, sounds like works to me, brother. We're saved by grace. Always one that somehow got a hold of the hyper grace message. And anytime you preach or any preacher preaches on diligence, on dedication, on faithfulness, on holiness, on righteousness, they always have to stick there. Sounds like works to me, brother. Let me break it down for everybody that's watching. You can't be saved by works. We know that. 
The Bible says that. It's not by works, lest any man should boast. See, if you could be saved by your good works, then you could brag about how you got your salvation. Yeah, you know, I did this, this, and this, and you know, I I actually earned my, you can't earn your salvation. It's a free gift. We're saved by grace through faith, but don't stop there. Don't stop there. Once you get saved, God expects some things of you. It's not just a free ride and then go back to doing whatever you want to do before you got saved. That's not how salvation works. It's like, well, I prayed the prayer. I I accepted my salvation by grace through faith. Now back to doing whatever I want to do. No, no. God expects fruit production. (laughs) That's why the book of James tells us faith without works is dead. Anybody can say they have faith. Anybody can say they're saved. Anybody can say they love God. Can I tell you what's going on in America right now? Is that people all over this nation that call themselves Christians, I'm sold out to God, brother. I've given him my whole life. They average going to church once every five weeks. (laughs) Once every five weeks. Tell me what girlfriend, wife, husband, or boyfriend would believe that you're in love with them, that you can't be without them if you only wanted to see them once every five weeks. Explain to me, explain to me which husband or wife, which girlfriend or boyfriend would believe that you really love them and you're sold out to them if you only wanted to see them once every five weeks. And that's the average for Christians in America right now. The average Christian goes to church once every five weeks. So you explain to me how people say, well, I'm sold out, brother. No. And I love how Clara, uh, Clara said it. Grace produces works. And I totally agree with that. Totally agree with that. Grace produces works because if you truly were saved by grace through faith, it made a change in your life and you're not the same person you used to be. It turns you in a new direction. And now you receive the instructions of your father, the master in heaven, and you obey what he tells you to do. And you obey what's written in this word. No question. And so if we want to level up, if we're going to another level, it takes instructions followed by obedience to equal promotion. Woo. Amen, Kelly. And it really isn't. It really isn't complicated. As my friend, Pastor Brian Wright said, it really isn't complicated. It's not really that deep. It's actually very easy to understand. It just takes educated people to make it complicated so that we have to sit through a 700 page book to understand why salvation doesn't require dedication. It's not, it's insane. It's absolutely insane. I mean, even, I mean, think about this, even the reformed Calvinists believe that you have to persevere until the end. Even they believe that even they don't believe that you can just get saved and go back to living however you want to live and not produce any fruit. Even they believe you on, on their side of it, they would just say, you never really got saved. You were never really saved in the first place. That's why you you back, quote unquote, backslid. 
But however you want to look at it, whether you want to believe they never really got saved or whether you want to believe they backslid, one thing is true. Praying a prayer is not enough. (laughs) Praying a prayer is not enough. You can confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead, confess that he's Lord, and you can be saved. But if you want to stay in that position where God has you, you've got to be obedient to his word. And if you want to truly level up, if you want to truly level up, it's going to take some dedication, some diligence. I'm looking for instructions, man. Thank you, Raina. I'm looking for instructions. I'm expecting some instructions from the Lord. I can't wait to hear it. I don't get offended because he tells me what to do. I'm looking for those instructions because I want to get where I'm going quickly. I've always said this because it makes me laugh to think of it as an example. But can you imagine how, like, it's it would be insane for people to say, well, I want to go to this place I've never been before. Let me pop the de- let me pop the destination into Google Maps and then let the thing start uh, giving me directions as I'm driving. And as you're driving, the thing starts speaking to you. In 1.2 miles, take the uh, ramp onto I-95 North and you start yelling at your phone. Quit telling me where to go. Quit telling me what to do. You don't know me. You don't. I'm like, everyone knows that's stupid. But nobody does that. You know why? Because they know the reason the thing's telling me what to do is because I don't know how to get where I'm going. And I don't know about you, but I cannot navigate my future without the Holy Ghost. I want somebody to put that in the comments. I cannot navigate my future without the Holy Ghost. I must have his input. I must have his instructions. I must have his commands. Otherwise, I don't have access to the power of God. I just don't. I just don't. And I need access to it. I need access to his power. I need access to his instructions. And that's one of the things we pray when we're praying and fasting. I always say this, Lord, as you did for Moses, give me access to your ways and to your thoughts. The Bible says God made known his actions to the children of Israel but he made known his ways unto Moses. I don't want to just have access to his actions. I want access to his ways, his thoughts. They're higher than my thoughts. His ways are higher than my ways. That's what I want access to. When I get access to those, I'll be on another level. (laughs) Hallelujah. I'll be on another level, my friend. So we need it. If we're going to level up, Kelly said, why do some people say Holy Ghost and some say Holy Spirit? It is the same. It's just for so long, the King James Bible for over 400 years said Holy Ghost. Holy Spirit's the same thing. But the King James Bible gave us Holy Ghost for so long, it got into people's minds. But Holy Ghost, Holy Spirit, we're still talking about the third person of the Trinity. And it's the Holy Spirit of God. And let me tell you something. I need his input. I need Yeah, you're right, Clara. This salvation is a lifestyle. It's not a game. Eternity's not a game. Your life is not a game. Your future's not a game. God is invested in his children. He's invested in his people. And let me tell you, this is why we fast. That's not a stupid question. It's a question people have often, Kelly, because I've had many people ask me that. But let me tell you, it's not a game. Because the devil's fighting for your soul, for your children, for your life, for your mind, for your finances, but God's got a plan to bless all of those things, all of them. And so I can't 
navigate my future without the Holy Ghost. And I'll tell you this, in these final moments of time that we're living in, God wants to quickly, quickly touch and interact with his children, bless his children, quickly. He does not want by any means us to do this by ourselves. He knows that we need him. That's why Jesus didn't just leave the earth and say, good luck, everybody. (laughs) You know, I mean, I think people... There's people that actually believe that. It's like Jesus left the earth, ascended into heaven, seated on the throne, said, good luck, guys. That's why I wouldn't be, I, I, I can't imagine not being Pentecostal. You know why? Because Jesus was Pentecostal and he, the apostles were Pentecostal. All the believers, everybody in the early church was Pentecostal. Everybody. What do I mean by that phrase? What do I mean by that statement? I mean that it was the apostles' desire, it was Jesus' desire, and it was obviously God's desire for every believer to be filled with the Holy Ghost. Read through the book of Acts. You'll find it out for yourself. Read Acts 8, read Acts 2, read Acts 10, read Acts 12, read Acts 19, read Acts 8 and 9. You'll see. Every time people got saved, they immediately laid hands on him, got him filled with the Holy Ghost. Because it's God's desire. The apostles knew it. They didn't even question people. Would you like to be filled with the Holy Ghost? What a stupid thing to ask somebody. Would you like to be filled with the Holy Ghost? That's, that's as dumb as asking Christians, would you like to live in holiness? That's dumb. You don't ask a Christian whether or not they'd like to live free from sin. How would you like to live free from sin as a Christian? Every Christian should be living free from sin. And every Christian should be filled with the Holy Ghost, baptized in the Holy Ghost. That was Jesus' desire. That was God's desire. It was the apostles' desire. And it was true for all Christians in the early church. (laughs) How would you like to be free from sin? Yes, that's what Christianity is all about. Jesus didn't leave the earth and say, hope you make it, guys. Good luck, everybody, and then leave. He sent us the Holy Ghost. See, his disciples were trying to keep him on the earth to set up an actual kingdom, a political system. He said, you don't even understand what I'm trying to do. I've got to leave here so that I can send you the Holy Ghost. I'll ask the Father. He'll send you the Holy Spirit, and you'll receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And so understand this. We need the power that's available through the Holy Ghost. If we're going to level up, it comes through the power of the Holy Ghost. You can't, that's why I said, I can't navigate my future without the interaction with the Holy Ghost and his power. It's impossible. I need the power of God. Need the power of the Holy Ghost. Need it. Gotta have it. Jesus didn't leave us as orphans. He said he wouldn't, and he didn't. He sent us on the 50th day after the resurrection. He sent us the Holy Spirit from heaven. And as my father has preached for years and continues to preach, Jesus would not have sent us the Holy Spirit unless we needed him. And we do. And they do. I don't know why it takes some longer to speak in tongues, Emmy. I asked the same question. Why why did not all people uh, receive their healing quickly? You have to understand everything we receive from God is received by faith. 
And there's some pastors that won't even preach healing today. They won't even preach the baptism of the Holy Ghost today. Some pastors won't even tell their congregations uh, what the Bible has to say about that, and they themselves don't believe it. And if that's the case, see, faith comes by hearing. Let me just say it this way. In the same way you cannot be saved without hearing the gospel, and you can't, you can't. No one can be saved without hearing the gospel. That's what Romans 10 is all about. In the same way, you can't be filled with the Holy Ghost without that word being preached to you. You see? You can't. It all comes by faith. You can't be healed without that word being preached to you. Jesus knew that. Why? Here's a question. When Jesus went back to Nazareth in Mark chapter 6 and started to try to do miraculous signs and wonders there, the Bible says he couldn't do any mighty works there. Jesus, except laying his hands on a few sick people and healing them, which means the majority of people got no miracles, signs, and wonders. And the Bible says, and Jesus marveled at their unbelief. So what was Jesus' answer to their unbelief, the thing that kept them from receiving his miracles? The Bible says he traveled around to their synagogues, synagogues preaching and teaching. You know why? Because faith comes by hearing. If they're filled with unbelief, it means they need faith. And faith comes by hearing. So Jesus didn't just stay there, keep trying to do miracle signs and wonders. He began to teach and preach to build their faith. You see that? The reason they couldn't receive was not because he wasn't anointed. It wasn't because he wasn't the son of God. It wasn't because he was not powerful. It was because they had no faith. They're filled with unbelief. And let me just say this, because people get all bent out of shape, especially uh, Calvinists, especially people that are not Pentecostal or charismatic. They get all bent out of shape when you preach from this standpoint, this thought process. Well, it's wrong to tell people, brother, the reason they're not receiving is because they don't have enough faith. Jesus said that. The Bible says that. What are you going to go around and tell people they're better than Jesus? You're going to literally try to tell people, well, my ministry is more powerful than Jesus' ministry was. No, it's not. The Bible says that the the, uh, servant is never greater than the master. My ministry is not more powerful than Jesus' ministry. So if Jesus came to a place where unbelief kept him from being able to do what he was called to do, then unbelief, lack of faith, is a reason why miracles don't take place. It is a reason why people don't level up. It is a reason why people aren't filled with the Holy Ghost. It is a reason why people aren't healed. You see, if it was for Jesus, it still is today, which is why we need Bible preaching, Bible teaching men of God that aren't ashamed to teach the full gospel. They preach not only salvation, they preach the baptism in the Holy Ghost. They preach divine healing. They preach prosperity. They preach freedom from depression, anxiety, and suicidal thoughts. They preach the full gospel. Many won't because they're afraid because there is persecution that goes along with it. Even Christians will persecute you. You know, you just preach Jesus is a savior and everybody's happy. You start telling people he heals, then, then they start coming out against you. You start preaching, he baptizes in the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in other tongues. Here they come to persecute you. You start preaching that he'll provide and prosper you. My God, you're a heretic. 
Or when the Bible teaches all those things. <laughs> teaches all those things. But understand, if preachers would preach and stop being so scared of what people would say about them, you'd see a lot more people filled with faith. I don't blame the people. I blame the preachers. Preachers need to stand up and preach. Who cares what people say about you? Who gives a crap? If, you know, there's so many people, their desires to get invited to conferences. Well, if I get a bad reputation in my community, if I won't get invited to the next conference, I could care less if I'm invited to a conference to preach. Please. Well, if I keep acting like that, maybe I'll never get to go to Hillsong Conference. I don't know if I'd go if they asked me to come. To be very honest with you, Bethel will never have me out for Bethel Conference. I don't know if I'd go if they asked me. To be very honest with you. And everybody's worried about a political Christian game. Who will be friends with me? Who will retweet me? Who will talk about my book if I preach that strong? I don't care. I could care less. When you've got pastors of churches, and I, I use the word pastors very loosely, doing shots of tequila with Justin Bieber in New Zealand makes me wonder how dedicated you really are, brother. And if you think I'm going to kick a can because I can't go be on the same docket to preach with preachers like that, you've lost your freaking mind because I don't give a crap. Not at all. In any way, shape, or form do I care. Well, brother, it doesn't sound like the love of love of God. Please. Let me tell you something. Peter withstood Paul, or Paul withstood Peter to his face and had a strong disagreement. And it wasn't for doing shots with your shirt off. It was for acting like the Gentiles around Gentiles. And then, uh, and then when the Jews showed up trying to make everybody act like a Jew and get circumcised. Had nothing. So, so understand I'm not off the mark here when I'm talking like I'm talking. You got a bunch of nut jobs out there masquerading as preachers. They're not even walking the walk. They're not even walking the walk. So pardon me if I don't give a crap about preaching with them at the same conference. Well, how will your name get known? I don't care if it does. If God exalts me, he exalts me. If he doesn't, he doesn't. But I'm not going to politically network my way through kissing everybody's butt, as many people are doing. Everything's one big butt kiss. And I'm done with it. It's time for strong people to be strong. It's time for Christians to stand up and be strong and stop caring what other people think about you. Pastors, if you're watching me, preach the word with boldness and stop caring what other pastors will think about you or say about you. Well, you know, if I talk about prosperity, you know, there's quite a lot of pastors in my area that will, we have fellowship, but if they see me start preaching prosperity, I won't have the same influence with those pastors. Their problem, not your problem, their problem. Who cares? I don't understand the thought process of a lot of people, man. I really don't. We've got, can I tell you something? We've got chameleons in the body of Christ. They don't even know who they are. They don't even know what their colors are. They don't have spiritual fathers. They've got no impartation. They're a bunch of chameleons. When they're with these people, they're like this. When they're, the, when they're with these people, they're like this. 
They preach this when they're with these. They amen this stuff when they're with this crowd. And then when they're over here and they hear the truth, yeah, they amen that too. They, do. they don't even know who they are. Bunch of chameleons. Choose who you are and be that person. Take a stance for crying out loud. Stop being such a chameleon. You know, let me just give you an example so that you don't think I'm just being vague. I have a certain set of doctrinal beliefs that I stick to. If you hear me on here preaching to you and my wife preaching to you, I don't ever, you know, you're never going to hear me. The struggle is real. You know, sometimes, you know, God just breaks us and takes us through the breaking process. And you're not going to hear me say crap like that. Sometimes we go through these things because it's God just breaking us down to our bare minimum so he can build us back up again. You're not going to hear me that say that kind of crap. You hear me say, don't say the struggle is real. Say the struggle is over. I'm not walking through a struggle. I'm going to soar above the struggle. So when I go to a conference and sit on the front row and you got somebody up there preaching, how many have been really struggling this year? Lift your hand. And everybody's hand goes up. Oh, hallelujah. I'm not going to sit on the front row just to fit in with everybody else. I'm telling you a real story, by the way. I was at a conference, a large conference. My wife and I, I don't even know how I ended up there. My wife and I were there as guests. I'm sitting on the front row and the preacher that's nationally known. How many of you really just been struggling? How many, this has been a year of struggle. Lift your hands. I ain't lifting my hand. How many know it's just hard to serve the Lord? How many know? How many know? How many know? I don't know that. So I don't care that I'm on the front row and I don't care that everybody all around is doing the same thing and lifting their hand with your little social experiment. I don't know that it's hard to serve the Lord because it's not. And Jesus himself said, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So I'm not going to lift, you know, get a lift two hands, lift a foot too. If you agree, lift two hands, lift a foot. You struggling? How many have been struggling? I'm not struggling. And I don't plan on struggling. I'm going to another level. I'm leveling up. All I do is win. All I do is continue to increase. It's not up one year down the next. It's not blessing, blessing. It's like this demonic game of duck, duck, goose, except, except it's bless, bless, curse. I ain't playing bless, bless, curse. Well, I got blessed for two years, but how many know it's it's a famine year, amen? It's a famine year. Got to batten down the hatches and just, no, it's not. It's not. And I don't care. I ain't lifting a hand. I've walked out of services before because the preacher started saying crap that I don't agree with. And I was the guest musician and I left because I'm not going to sit there and listen to somebody mock the doctrine of God that's in the word of God that I believe because they don't get it for themselves. You got to stand for something. Don't be a chameleon. Oh, hallelujah. How many have been struggling tonight? Amen. If you've been struggling, just lift two hands, lift a foot too, lift both feet. I'm not struggling. I don't plan on struggling. I ain't lifting my hand to say that I struggle with you and everybody else in this room. You call it struggle conference 2020. But I'm not struggling, and I ain't going to confess that I'm struggling, and I'm not going to, even if their enemy was attacking me. You realize that, right? It's called faith, genius. Even if the enemy was trying to attack, do what the woman in the Old Testament did and say, it is well with my soul. It is well. Her son was dead, laying on a bed, decomposing. How's it going with your family? It is well. 
It is well. It is well. Even if the enemy was attacking me, I'm not going to lift my hands. How many? No, we're just struggling. Quit being dumb. Open. How about crack your Bible and read an actual text? Have faith. Believe God and press forward. I don't know what's up with these ministers nowadays that don't even take a text. They just they just like. It's like no texts being taken. Like, would, you, would somebody preach the Bible for crying out loud? We've, ha- we've heard enough of your funny stories. We've heard enough of your little analogies. Crack the word open and, and take a text. It's like unbelievable. Take a text for crying out loud. If we're going to level up, it's going to come by the obedience to the word of God. It's going to come by obedience to the instructions of the Holy Spirit. And we're going to have to stand in strength and believe what God said and not back off of it. Don't back off of what God said. His word is the most powerful force in the universe. Amen. I know I'm cracking some of you up tonight, but I'm just being real because somebody's got to say it. Somebody's got to say it. (laughs) somebody's got to say it. Quit talking about that stuff. I found out a lot of people that say they're faith preachers and faith Christians, they're not. They like the title, but buddy, they're not. They're just not. That's right. Who can curse what God's blessed? Who? Tell me who. Think I'm going to give the devil glory? How many are just struggling? How many he's really been taking you out? Am I going to lift my hands and give the devil credit in church? That's right, amen. That's me. Uh-huh. That's right, Brian. It's been proven. They said they're faith people. They're not. You can tell by how they talk, how they act, and what they do. You'll know them by their fruit. That's why I call you the victory tribe, because at least I know if you'll log on and listen to me rant and rave. <laughs> Two hours a day, you must be all right. You've not blocked me yet. You've not unfollowed me yet. You keep sharing the broadcast, so you must be all right. And I'm just telling you, man, I can't deal with it anymore. People have lost their minds in the name of wisdom. We should make it for the Victory Tribe, Ruth. It is so important. And Brian makes a great point. It is so important who you're connected to because you will replicate their anointing. You'll replicate their spirit. That's why I put out Further Faster because it's a book about impartation and people don't understand impartation. They think you can be connected to everybody in the ship and you're going to be, everything's be wonderful. I don't want to be connected to everybody. I want to be connected to the right people. I want to be connected to faith people. You know, I'm not going to connect to people just because they call themselves Christians who don't even believe what I believe about the Holy Ghost. They believe that if you speak in tongues, you're demon-possessed because God doesn't do that today. Well, you know, in the name of salvation, in the name of Christian brotherhood, we should all just get along. Hey, I'll see you in heaven if you make it, but I don't have time to hang with you on the earth while you're calling my best friend my worst enemy. You know, it's not like that's a small thing. I say it's the Holy Ghost, according to scripture. You say, no, that's a, that's a demon. Well, that's a problem when you're saying that the manifestations of the Holy Ghost are a demon spirit. So listen, 
I, I may or may not see you in heaven, but I don't have time to mess with you on the earth. I got a job to do. I've got things that God's called me to do and I'm not messing around. I don't have time to mess around. Don't have time to mess around. Blows my mind. See, because you need to understand something. I come on here and I encourage you because I can. This is not my main ministry. And you got people that because they've got a Facebook uh, page and because they've got a YouTube channel and because they've got a Twitter account, they think they're the next Billy Graham, but they're not actually doing anything for the kingdom of God except talking to people on here. But let me tell you something. This is what I do because I can do it. This is not my only ministry. It's just something I can do. I'm actually ministering. You know, blows my mind when people will actually call you up and try to get, you know, people that aren't even preaching. They've built their little Facebook community. You haven't done one thing in the kingdom of God, not one. And everybody feels like they have the same level of authority because everybody's on the same level in social media. It doesn't work that way, buddy. Doesn't work that way. You understand? So the point I'm trying to make to you is it makes a difference who you're connected to. You will replicate their spirit. You will replicate their anointing. You will replicate their power. And what you receive is what you will give. Right? Let me ask you a question. Why do you think some people pay thousands upon thousands upon thousands upon thousands of dollars to be trained by a certain golf coach who is a well-known name and has trained other famous people. Why do you think they would pay so much money uh, for that golf coach when they could go down to their local club and pay like $80 an hour to be trained by that person? Instead, they pay tens of thousands of dollars to be trained by that person. They do that because it matters who's imparting knowledge to you. And that dude is worth tens of thousands of dollars because he's trained tour pro professionals. And this guy over here has got Cheeto crumbs on his bottom lip. It makes a big difference who's imparting to you. Why do we know that in the natural and people don't know it in the supernatural? Why? Why do we understand that in the natural realm and we don't understand it in the supernatural realm? And so I don't have time. Let me give you something that'll help you. Never take criticism from someone from whom you'd never ask for advice. Write that down. Never take criticism. This is not, I'm not being prideful. I'm being smart. There's a difference between, I don't think I know it all. I have people that speak into my life, but they're the right people that I want to replicate what they've done. Never take criticism from somebody you wouldn't ask for advice. See, because then people start getting bent out of shape. Well, I don't know why they said that. about me. Take a look at their life and fruit. If you don't want to replicate it, then disregard, disregard, disregard. Don't take criticism from somebody you wouldn't ask for advice. It's like, bro, if you don't like the way I run my ministry, but you don't even have a ministry, do you think I'm going to give a crap? Now, on the other hand, if I've got somebody who's a seasoned minister that's done far more than I have that speaks to me, which I do have many of those, 
And they, they, they pull me aside and say, hey, I want to give you a few things. I want to give you a few tips. You better believe I'm all ears. I've got a notepad out. I'm ready to write down the wisdom. I'm ready to meditate on it. I'm ready to put it into action. I want that advice. It's like my bishop pulled me aside tonight. He said, I'd like to meet with you soon. I got some things that I think will really help you and take you to another level. Well, I'm not going to forget you. No, no. I want to hear that. I want to hear that. I want to hear what he has to say. I'm going to write it down. I'm going to meditate on it. I'm going to put it into action. I want to hear that. You know why? He's further along, far further along than I am. Been doing it longer than I have. He's got experience. He's got anointing. He's got wisdom. He's got fruit. You got to listen to the right people. If I got somebody over here that's got a little YouTube channel that doesn't like what I'm preaching, they want to write me a rebuke. Let me tell you something. If I wouldn't ask you for advice, I don't need your criticism. You understand? It's just, it's common sense. <laughs> haven't started yet. They're not even on step one. They're, they haven't even got going. The motor's not even on. They're not even in the car yet. The key's not even in the ignition. And they're dealing out advice like they're, you, you understand what I'm saying? I hope you're catching this, what I'm trying to help you with. You'll never level up if you allow every person's criticism to tear you down. You can't do it. You've got to be connected to the right people and you've got to follow the right people and you've got to take advice from the right people and you've got to learn, let, learn to let the rest go off your back like water off a duck's back. <laughs> I know I'm cracking some of you up, but uh, and I understand some people might be getting offended. That's all right. That's okay. People listen to me and they think I'm arrogant because I talk like this. I'm just being plain. I'm actually, I'm very humble. I pride myself on how humble I am. <laughs> I am a humble person. I promise you. When correction comes, I receive it. I seek out correction. I seek out correction. I want to be corrected. That's that's the that's what I'm talking about. When I talk about see, people get confused between arrogance and confidence. They're not the same thing. Just because I can say th something confidently doesn't mean I'm arrogant. I Not only do I take correction, I look for correction. I will actually call people up to get corrected. I'll say, can you get, tell me what you think of this. If you think it's horrible, let me know now. Tell me what I should change. Tell me what I should do. And I'm ready to hear it. But it's got to be the right person. And a desire to grow will put you in position to receive correction and to go higher. Amen. If we're going to level up, it means being connected to the right people. It means hearing from the Holy Ghost. It means obeying his orders, obeying his instructions. When you attach yourself to the instructions, you attach yourself to the power of God. No question about it. It's impossible to obey the instructions of God and fail. Amen. I want you to put that in the comments. It's impossible to obey the instructions of God and fail. I'll take you back once again to the, the verse that we read often, Isaiah 48, 17. I am the Lord your God who teaches you to profit and leads you in the way that you should go. As God leads you, he's not leading you into a place where you diminish or that you're destroyed. He's leading you into blessing, increase, overflow, 
productivity, fruitfulness. Amen. It is impossible to obey the instructions of God and fail. And the reason some people fail is because they don't even hear the voice of the Lord because they won't pray, they won't fast, they won't read his word. They're not dedicated. They're not diligent. That's why I'm not joking around when I call you the victory tribe. I'm talking to people that have a desire to be dedicated. It encouraged me. Let me tell you something. It encouraged me how many people texted and told me, I'm joining you on the fast, joining you on the fast, fasting and praying. I had people come up to me at church tonight, said, hey, I jumped on the fast with you. I'm fasting and praying. It encouraged me. You know why? It shows you're hungry. It shows you're diligent. It shows you're pressing in, shows you're faithful. Let me tell you, not everybody's fasting and praying. Trust me on that. When I tell you that I told you the average Christian prays five minutes a day or less. So if they're only praying five minutes, you can believe they're not fasting. But the fact that you are, the fact that people are joining means you're hungry, means you're diligent, means you're faithful, and it means that you're obeying the instructions of Christ and you're on your way to increase. And the last six months of this year are going to be months of supernatural increase, violent increase, expedited favor. Without question, without question, we're going to see the blessings of God. Pastor Brian, thank you for sowing a seed. If you'd like to follow Pastor Brian's um, lead and you'd like to sow a seed, MiracleWord.com, Cash App, Venmo, PayPal. I'm getting ready to pray for you. Tracy said, it's my first fast. Congratulations. I commend you, Tracy. I commend you for joining us. I commend you. Winona, Janet, Todd, Janine, Kelly. I told you, Kelly, after the third day, it gets easier. It gets easier and easier. But jump on. Listen. For the next 21 days, we're going 21 days. We're finishing on the 31st. Um, and um, if you can't do the whole the entire time, I understand. Do what you can within that time. But take days to actually fast. I mean, the whole day. If you can do three days in a row, if you can do five, seven days in a row, do what you can do. But take time to fast and pray. Seek the face of God and watch as God blesses you. Brittany, thank you for sowing. If you don't get a link to complete your seed with hashtag donate, please go to miracleword.com and sow on the site. We've had a couple people saying that the link's not coming up for them. I hope it does for you. If not, I'm on the verge of dumping these people in a ditch on the side of the road far out into the woods where nobody will find their bodies. And I'm talking about metaphorically with their company. <laughs> Amen, Keisha. Let me pray for those of you that are watching. Because my desire for you is to see you at another level. When I pray, I mean, I pray this seriously. I learned this from Bishop Oyedepo. But those of you that are connected with us, our partners, our friends, those that are connected, I pray this. Lord, if you, are, if you won't bless them, don't bless me. If you won't bless them, don't bless me. But you know what the good news is? He is blessing you. He will bless you. And we're all going to another level. We're all going to another level. So let me pray. Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, I'm asking you tonight, put this kind of a new fire in your people. That we make up our minds that we refuse to play games. We refuse to be those that call ourselves Christians, but don't take the actions. We don't have the fruit that proves that we are who we say we are. 
in Jesus' name. Give us a new fire to serve you, a hunger for righteousness. Your word declares that if we hunger and thirst after righteousness, we'll be filled. Fill us with that, Lord. Give us a desire to please you with our lives to be a witness that you've called us to be, to see souls come into the kingdom before it's too late. Use us mightily. Let us be a burning bonfire. People can see us from miles around with the fire of God upon our lives. Use us, Lord. Use us, Lord. In Jesus' wonderful name. I thank you, Lord, for your presence and your power. I thank you for your glory. Right now, I pray for those that are watching and listening. Any sickness that's tried to come against them, I rebuke it in Jesus' name. I loose the virtue of God. Be healed in the mighty name of Jesus. Be filled with joy, the oil of joy. I command depression, anxiety, fear, suicidal thoughts to go in Jesus' name. Be made whole. I ask you, Lord, let this be the year for household salvation. Our friends, our loved ones are being saved in Jesus' name. Coming into the kingdom. We ask it. Lord, as people are sowing, I pray that before July comes to an end, supernatural financial harvest will hit their house, hit their life, their job, their business. As they're sowing seeds, as they're faithful to do that, I thank you supernaturally. Blessings are coming. Blessings are flowing in Jesus' name. We give you honor, we give you glory, and we give you praise. And everybody shout aloud, amen. Let me, tell you, let me encourage you and challenge you. Sow a seed tonight by the power of God. Do what he's asking you to do. Maybe he's asking you to partner. Go to miracleword.com. You can set up now what you can do, by the way. You can create an account. It's been activated. So now you can create your own account right within the website you need to make changes on how much you'd like to sow, the frequency of your sowing, all of it's done within your account. When you click on the give page or the partner page, you'll see it right at the top of the form. You can sign in or if you've never done it before, you can create your account. And uh, I say thank you to every partner, every friend that's standing with us. We love you. We appreciate you. We're going to bless you too. If you'd like to receive the offer for those that are partnering this month at $85 or more, if you'd like to receive the offer uh, to your house, or if you're overseas to your email address, you've got to go to miracleword.com forward slash offer, fill out the form so we have your address and we know which uh, gift that you've chosen and we will send it to you as our way of saying thank you and telling you we love you. Look at that. Fabiola's testimony. We gave a seed when you were in Michigan, closing on our home tomorrow. Next time you come to Hobart, I can't wait. <laughs> I received the Taco Bell in Jesus' name, but I'm happy to come and pray and bless the house. Amen, Lena. I agree with you. I'm agreeing with you. Partners are being added daily. This ministry is increasing. We're going to touch the world together. We're going to touch the world together. Know it. Appreciate you, Christina. Kelly, we love you. Norman, we love you. Billion, we love you telling you guys it's gonna be the greatest year we've ever seen the devil's a liar this stuff's a smokescreen we are blessed not cursed you can't curse god's people you cannot curse god's people <laughs> i love every one of you i can't wait to come back to michigan scott can't wait to come back to hobart really really appreciate you guys i'll be back in the morning 10 30 a.m 
Carolyn's back tomorrow, 3 p.m. I'm back tomorrow night, 9 p.m. It's going to be a great day. I love you guys so much. Have a great night's rest. I call you blessed in Jesus' name. Best days are ahead. Thanks for hanging through the rant tonight. I just get, on, I get caught on fire with some of these things that I'm seeing. And I'm telling you, we're going to see the greatest days we've ever seen. But it's, it's for the faithful. It's not for everybody. It's for the faithful. That's you. And that's me. Have a great night. I love you. I'll see you in the morning. Rest well. We'll talk soon. Later. Now that's the stuff leaders should be made of.